We are outdoor ladies who hunt, shoot, and fish, all while working in conservation and chasing kids. I am Julia Plugge with the Nebraska Game and Parks Commission. I'm Rachel Alice with the Iowa Department of Natural Resources. I am Megan Weiskup with the Iowa Department of Natural Resources. And I'm Tana Fancher with the Kansas Department of Wildlife, Parks, and Tourism. Follow us on our outdoor adventures. Welcome back to She Goes Outdoors. One of our new hosts, Tana Fancher, is joining us today on for this episode of season two. We are grabbing our archery gear and ready to go bow fishing. Uh, Tana is a bow fishing expert or experience in the bow fishing field. And, you know, Tana, I am, I have not bow fished, always wanted to bow fish. I have brother-in-laws and that absolutely love it. And I feel like I should be joining them. They just have a blast. Although I feel like that's their way of sneaking outside away from the, <laughs> the family gatherings and where all the rest of us are stuck back with the kids. But maybe <laughs> if I can pick up my technique, I might be able to join them. Give us um, an idea. Teach us a little bit about bow fishing. Teach me about bow fishing. And one of those things that I'm afraid of or I've heard a lot about is refraction. So at some point in time, let's, let's chat about refraction and how does that take into play different than your normally fishing experience? Absolutely. Well, thanks, Julia. I am um, by no means an expert, but I have been bow fishing since I was in college. I had a good friend introduce me. Um, it is just an absolute blast. The refraction can definitely be a little bit tricky, but it's a really awesome activity because it's super flexible. You can really go out and bow fish any time of the year, day or night, and it's a super great beginner option for people that are still warming up to the idea of harvesting an animal. You say day or night, so I could go bow fishing after dark? Yeah, absolutely. Be sure to check your state regulations. Uh, for example, in Kansas, you can bow fish with a light, so you could use a spotlight or um, there are lights that you can mount onto your bow and you can get out. But there are some regulations about exactly how late you can go. For example, in Kansas, you can bow fish until midnight. And I know bow fishing is just not, I do know it's just not your normal, let's take my archery equipment out that I would go, let's say, hunting with deer. Or is it the same? Tell me, like, what equipment would I need to go bow fishing? Totally. So it's super flexible, which again is the greatest thing about bow fishing. You can repurpose an old bow that you have for hunting if you're not using it anymore, or you can actually go to the store and buy a bow that has a reel and everything put on. So uh, you'll typically use a compound bow. However, in Kansas, for example, crossbows are legal to harvest fish. So be sure to check your regulations on that. But if you have like, for example, I started with an old compound bow that was meant for hunting. Um, typically, you'll strip it down to bare bones. So with bow fishing, you're not using a sight and some of the more complex gear that you would use in actual hunting. So you're really going to do some more of that instinctual shooting. If you've done traditional archery in the past, it's much more similar to that, where you're going to focus on coming back to that same anchor point on your face and really shoot with your gut. Once you hit a fish or two, it'll really, really start to sink in. And it's kind of like riding a bike after that. It'll just come back. 
So um, other than a bow, what she'll need is specific arrows. So bow fishing arrows are barbed. That way the fish doesn't slip off. And they're also attached to a string so that you can reel them back in. That's really important. And in fact, in a lot of states, in most states, it is illegal to shoot fish with arrows if they're not attached to a string to be able to recover your, your harvest. And, and that's illegal. Why? Why would that be, I guess, illegal if someone were to ask me that? So I guess it'd be kind of an example of wanton waste, even though with bow fishing, you're not targeting sport fish. Um, it is really wasteful, A, to be able to just kill, uh, to be killing animals without the intent to harvest them in some way. And then also the arrows could serve as pollutants in the water system and as potential dangers to people if they were to step on them or to animals. Yeah, solid points right there is a lot because it's, while it's a sport, it is a sport to catch food rather than a sport just to kill and like you said just float down the river maybe have injured them or injure anything else down the pathway that waterway that that arrow could touch uh, great points yeah exactly and uh, bow fishing gets a really bad rep honestly um, it can be perceived as wasteful but it's important to remember that some of these quote-unquote rough fish uh, which is what you're typically harvesting are actually really good to eat. In fact, eating gar is probably my favorite fish to eat. They're absolutely <laughs> delicious. It's a firm, flaky meat. Um, it'll take some pretty high-powered shears to get into them, but it is totally, totally worth it. And shears meaning the point of the arrow? Or to... No, shears meaning like game shears that we sent out yeah, in our subscription they, box. They I can also promise to have you... a subscription box could use that shear. Absolutely. I can promise you I will be using my shears for pheasant cleaning and for gar cleaning. Multi-purpose <laughs> <laughs> tool, just like you said, you know, for the regulations. Would you in Kansas, do you find your regulations for bow fishing in your fishing guide or your hunt guide? So those would be in the fishing guide and in our general regulations as well. You, if you have any questions, you can always call our office or you should be able to go into an archery shop and they can help you with some of your basic questions as well. Um, and they can get you outfitted with the right bow and make sure that's down to the right draw weight. We didn't talk about that. Um, for bow fishing, 30 to 40 pounds is the approximate draw weight you're going to aim for. Again, I've said it a million times, but bow fishing is so flexible. So if you're a little below that or even a little bit above it, it'll still work. Um, and it's not nearly as high stakes as hunting, for example, because if you do miss a fish, it's really no problem. You just reel your arrow back in and uh, get ready. And it's more than likely that fish is going to swim by you in a couple minutes. So you really get a lot of shots and it's a fun time. Um, there's a couple different types of reels you can use while we're talking about reeling in fish. Uh, you can use a simple hand reel, a bottle reel, which basically collects all the string in a little plastic bottle, or a spinning reel that looks really similar to a reel that you would go and fish with. So um, I use a bottle reel. I highly recommend the bottle reel. It's really simple to install. You can see the string in there and it's really easy to take that bottle off and clean it if your string gets a little bit gunky. Um, and then there's not as many like mechanical devices in there that could get messed up with water, rust, etc. We Going back to the species of fish, you had mentioned gar. And if I remember correctly, like my, my family, my brothers-in-law, they talk a lot about carp. Is that, um, you know, a fish that you will find or be shooting or aiming towards in Kansas too? Yes, definitely. Carp are a big one. Um, we have common carp. We also have big mouth and small mouth buffalo that people tend to shoot as well as the gar. Um, and of course we do have invasive species of carp like Asian carp, 
So we always encourage people to shoot those and that is a great way to help the spread of, or help stop the spread of invasive species rather. Right. And they're the species that jump at you, right? In the Asian carp. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a pretty wild time. I have not gotten the opportunity to shoot any, but those are the ones you see on the internet where people are being pulled on skis and like trying to hit them with swords and things. Oh boy. I highly, I do not recommend that whatsoever, no. but bull fishing is a much better way to, uh, to take out some of those invasive species. What is other gear that you would recommend that either a beginner or maybe even experienced bow fishers should take along with them? Absolutely. So other than getting your bow outfitted with the right type of reel, um, those arrows that you use for bow fishing are fiberglass and they're typically a little bit heavier than your normal carbon arrows. They'll, when you buy a reel, it usually comes with the string that you'll need as well. And there are lots of videos online you can look at. Um, you'll also be needing some specific barbed points like we talked about to make sure the fish don't slide off as well as your hunting license. In Kansas, Nebraska, and Iowa, all you need is a hunting license to go bow fishing. You don't need any additional uh, permit or anything like that. Other than that, if you're gonna be bow fishing at night, it's a great idea to have some sort of spotlight or headlamp with you. Just so you can see fish, it needs to be really, really powerful to be able to get down through that water. And then other than that, if you're planning on taking fish home, it's important that you bring along a stringer or a bucket or some other gear, especially if you're cleaning fish in the field, take your She Goes Outdoors game shears with you and a knife and uh, you'll be ready to go. Now the regulations going back to that, is that the same, is your bag limit the same with bow fishing as it would be if I were to be fishing with a, a regular rod and reel? So because we're only shooting rough fish, there is no bag limit for that. However, it is encouraged that you don't bank your fish, that you take home anything you can shoot. So. For example, if I've shot a couple carp in a night or a couple gar, that's probably all I'm going to leave with unless I'm throwing a big party. <laughs> <laughs> party of Tana's. <laughs> yeah, gar party. Let's do it. Make some delicious gar balls. It'll be a good time. Ooh, it sounds delicious. Maybe you need to post that on Facebook for us. I know. Drop the recipe. I got this. You know, I know a lot of people bow fish uh, from a boat. Do I, do I need a boat to bow fish or am I able to do that from the side, the banks? Ooh, great question. So a boat definitely does make things easier. Obviously, just like with regular angling, you're able to get into some areas that you couldn't access from the shoreline. However, I've never bow fished from a boat. I've always done it from the shore and you can be just as effective from the shore. If you are shoreline fishing, the best time to go out is in the spring. Like I said, you can bow fish year round. However, in the spring, fish typically swim up into the shallow waters and the grasses to spawn. And so you'll be able to get a shot at them at closer range and most likely see more activity if you're fishing from the shore. Uh, fall is another great time to go. Fish don't typically come in quite as close or move nearly as much since they're not in spawn. However, that water is still clear enough that you'll be able to see them from the shore and potentially get a shot off. Yeah, so you know, especially that we're at the end of summer now and moved into the fall. That's, that's good to know where um, I can continue this sport of bow fishing or start practicing now. And um, obviously as the water starts freezing over, maybe that's the, the time that I spend researching equipment or fixing equipment to uh, get ready for the spring season. 
Absolutely. And if you are an archery hunter, it's a great leader into archery deer season, if that's something that you're considering. Obviously, it's a little bit different when you're talking about refraction. Water has a refractive index of about 1.33, whereas air has a refractive index of 1. I know that's pretty technical jargon, but basically that means that as the light rays enter the water, they bend a little bit. So that's why when you put a straw into a drinking glass, it kind of looks disjointed a little. So typically when you're bow fishing, you want to make sure that you aim a little bit lower than the fish appears because that fish is actually going to be a little bit lower in the water column than it looks like from the surface. So obviously that's a big difference from hunting, but especially if you're new to hunting or still warming up to the idea of taking an animal and kind of the moral and ethical weight that that carries, bow fishing is a really great, great way to start out and experiment with how you're going to accept those feelings and how you might process that. You know, a test for refraction is to get a better idea of that is um, we here in Nebraska, we did some youth camps and to, to teach them the concept of refraction, we had a bucket of water, we dropped a penny in the bucket of water, you know, we would have them try to drop something towards that penny or that fake fish. And they, even in a bucket of water, they got that full concept of what uh, water refraction is. Or when like the old Burger King used to have where you put a penny in their water and you'd have to try to drop it. I mean, it kind of gives that idea of how it works there. Yeah, it adds a whole new element. So where you kind of make up for that with all the different opportunities you get to shoot at fish, you typically see a lot of fish. You get to take a lot of shots in a night, whereas in a deer stand, probably not so much. However, there is that added element of complexity with the refraction. Right. And I, like you said, the bow fishing, you shoot, you can reel it back in. You shoot in the deer stand, you're like, you said, you're probably done for, or you have to sit there and wait for something to return. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Return and it takes a lot longer than when you're going to have another fish float by. Or <laughs> yeah. And if you shoot like me, it's really nice to be able to pull that arrow back and try again and say, oopsies. <laughs> So let's uh, chat about, you know, we are moving, or at least in Nebraska, we are in deer archery season. And there's definitely a connection here. Did you, did you bow fish before you did archery deer? Or do you know of people that maybe they, they found bow fishing as a lead way into before they got into the deer stand? So most of the bow fishermen that I know started bow fishing and then moved on to bow hunting as a result. So I grew up angling. I loved it. I did not grow up fishing. I didn't hunt. And I really had no interest in bow fishing because I had heard some of the stereotypes about, oh, people just shoot and bank fish. It's kind of redneck, some of those things. And um, it actually was a friend in college that got me out and he convinced me to go try it. And it started out as like, oh, I'm not sure I'm interested, but I could use, you know, a long walk at night on the shore. That just sounds really peaceful and wonderful. And the more I got into it, the more I realized the connection that was there and that if I could do this respectfully and use the animal that I harvested and be respectful of its life, then maybe I could see myself doing that in the hunting community as well. And I think a lot of the bow fishermen that I've talked to and women, of course, um, they feel that way as well, that it's good practice for them. It kind of opened a door for them as a catalyst to hunting, or uh, it just makes them more aware and more accepting of the hunting community and more supportive of it. You know, and you mentioned the poundage being only, what, 30, 40 pounds drawback. That 
you know, that's quite a bit less than what required for deer. So someone that is interested in archery, um, if they're target archery, but want to then now do something like bow fishing, but you're not able to do, do a draw, pull drawback, like for deer, bow fishing would be a, a, a great way to, to start into the field. Absolutely. And there's a couple different shots you can do with bow fishing where you don't have to draw it all the way back. They call them snapshots. Um, so there's things you can do there, but that's part of the reason I got into it as well as I couldn't necessarily draw back the full draw weight I would need to hunt big game in Kansas just yet. And uh, so this has really helped me to be able to practice a little bit and get used to what it's like to come back to those common anchor points, practice those same principles, um, but at a lower poundage and at a lower risk scenario. I could see my, my oldest son enjoying this. Do you see a lot of kids out there bow fishing? Yeah, not a ton. Um, we do see a couple, but a lot of times it's adults and typically adult males. So we need to get more women out there, more yeah. families. It can be a really, really fun family activity, even if you're just working with one bow and passing it back and forth because you get so many opportunities and there's lots of like somebody can hold the stringer, somebody can hold the flashlight and then another person can shoot. It's a really great thing that the whole family can do and get excited about and support each other in. It's, uh, it's super fun to have your whole cheering squad out there. I'm thinking this coming year, rather than the guys dumping all of us to go bow fishing, we're leaving them behind. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, absolutely. The females are going, the guys are staying back with the kids. <laughs> yeah, that's the way it needs to happen. Absolutely. <laughs> well, what else uh, do you, I mean, you are a wealth of knowledge about bow fishing. What else have I not asked that, you know, the listeners or you would help me to get out in the field? I would say to anybody interested in bow fishing, one of the greatest aspects of it is you typically get to harvest larger fish. So um, if you're going out on a big fishing trip and your buddy pulls in, you know, a little 14 inch crappie, like, hey, that's a monster. That's great. But when you show up with your huge 45 pound carp, you yeah. know, you really, uh, <laughs> you really <laughs> blow them out of the water there. So if you're interested in an opportunity to harvest bigger fish and even just learn more about some of the larger fish in our aquatic ecosystems, it's a really great opportunity. Coming from a science background, I'm such a weirdo and that anytime I harvest something from nature, whether it's foraging or hunting or fishing, like my favorite aspect of that is getting to kind of look at the animal once I've harvested it and brought it in and observe how it works up close. And um, so if that's something that interests you, go for it. Does Kansas have bow fishing tournaments? I know in Nebraska we do. And I think I want to say spring, there's quite a few bow fishing tournaments. Do you in Kansas? Yep, we've got some in Kansas as well. There's one at least that I know of at Wilson Reservoir where they typically do a big carp cleanup. Um, and if you're interested in learning more about bow fishing, of course, you can contact your local agency, DNR. There's also a lot of different groups on Facebook that you can join. You can always ask a friend if you happen to have somebody that's um, interested in bow fishing or that already goes out. Or honestly, like it's low stakes. Just grab a friend, give it a shot, um, and you'll have a great time. Yeah, in Nebraska, we have Nebraska Bow Fishers Association. So I'm, I'm guessing the same as in any state that our listeners are checking in. Anything that we missed? Any addition on top of that about bow fishing or, you know, using that as a segue into hunting? You know, I don't think so. I would just encourage everybody to get out and give it a try. And if you need help, just um, contact your local DNR or maybe a local archery shop. 
And I would encourage everybody to be responsible and ethical out there when we're bow fishing. Bow fishing does have a bit of a bad rap of being, like I said, maybe rough around the edges or um, trashing fish or banking fish. So make sure that you use what you harvest. And there are lots of cool activities you can do. I've seen people make gar skin boots and all kinds of crazy things. Um, dog treats with like rolled up fish skin. So even if you're not too keen on the eating, there are a lot of options on the internet. So give that an explore and uh, make sure that you are responsible and ethical in all you do. And um, again, you know, your license purchases go back to supporting hunting and um, wildlife management and conservation. Always an important thing to just go out and get involved. Well, listeners, uh, thank you for tuning in to the She Goes Outdoor podcast. Adding more hosts has benefited you, such as Tana. She's just a wealth of knowledge and adding in a lot of uh, input and her experience as far as in the field and professionalism in the R3 world. We are now able to record weekly and expand the topics as you are now finding out that we have pushed out I want to say three in a single week. So we're catching up from that month that we missed and catching up with the diversity of topics such as, you know, what Dutch oven cooking to now bow fishing. So subscribing to the podcast will automatically push new release episodes to your listening device. So if you have not yet, please subscribe to the She Goes Out podcast. Help us reach new listeners and grow the show. Review and rate the podcast on iTunes. Share your love with all of your outdoor friends. Be sure to visit us on Facebook and Instagram for show notes and additional conversations. You know, we'll add into the conversation and share some ideas that we discussed today with Tana. Talk with us and others about this week's topic. Also now have the website is sgooutdoors.com. Well, Tana, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Julia. It was fun. We'll, uh, we'll get you out bow fishing sometime soon. I am looking forward to it. Thank you.